Hey there, we are live at the NASDAQ market site. The guys are getting ready behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up on the show. It's a stock that's lost half its value this year. And the charts suggest it's going even lower on earnings next week. We'll tell you how to cash in. Plus, here's what chip stocks have been doing this month. But if you missed the move, we've got a way you can still make money. And it's the one name traders see having a huge move next week. Want to know what it is? We'll tell you how to play snap shares into earnings for less risk. The action begins right now. And we start with... We start the show with deal chatter in the chip space. Shares of Qualcomm soaring nearly 13% on reports. It could be a takeover target of rival Broadcom, marking what could be the biggest merger in the chip space ever. Broadcom ending the day higher by more than 5%. And chips have been on fire this year, some stocks surging more than 100%. Dan, you've been hot for the group, but now you're starting to fade the move. Why the change of heart? Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting that a mega deal comes back. You know, it's, I think a lot of viewers will understand that Qualcomm is already in agreement to actually purchase uh, NXPI, which was another mega deal. And so this is Broadcom coming in and kind of shaking that thing up a little bit, you know, M&A was a big driver in this sector in 2015, 2016. There was hundreds of billions of dollars in deals in the semiconductor space. So this deal happening, uh, or at least rumor of it happening um, right now, is kind of interesting, especially when the sector has massively outperformed technology as a whole. The SMH, which is the ETF that tracks the semiconductor sector, is up 43% year-to-date. The NASDAQ's up 25%. The S&P's up 15%. So to me, I think you really want to look out to some sentiment, guys. I think NVIDIA reports next week at... Uh, uh, Implied move is about 8% in either direction. That's about $10 million on a stock that's already up 100% year-to-date. I think things are getting a little frothy. And then just real quickly, we've been talking about this show over the last month, Intel is a stock that's up 30-some percent in just two months. And this is a stock that was left for dead. This is one of the second-largest holdings in the SMH. So to me, I think it's setting up for a period where we're at least going to get some consolidation in the year-end and possibly some give-back. I mean, Intel is actually still cheap. The thing was trading 13 times forward earnings when everything else is going to the it's interesting you mentioned the NXPI deal. That thing is trading over the deal price, right? So Qualcomm's agreed to acquire them for $110 a share. The thing's trading closer to 120 And the reason is that some people think either they're going to have to bid the price up or not enough people are going to tender. There's a little bit of wonkiness going on there. But there's so much frothy enthusiasm in the space that what was a blockbuster deal when it was announced over a year ago is suddenly looking like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just not good enough. So what's the trade here when yeah. somebody, these are such high-priced stocks, yeah. a lot of them, options market would be a perfect place to Yeah, I, I, it's exactly it. And I think looking at an ETF, which ETF like the SMH, which is obviously a low-vol sort of um, instrument relative to a lot of the underlines, especially relative to NVIDIA. So I really want to kind of take a look at NVIDIA. Look at that breakout right there, though. I want to look for a trade back towards that September breakout in the SMH, which is back towards 90. I want to look out to January expiration here. Um, and so today, when the stock was trading about 102.5 at an all-time high, I wanted to buy the January 102.90 put spread, paying $3 for that. So I'm buying one of the January 102 puts at $4. I'm selling one of the January 90 puts at $1. That's how I get to my $3. It breaks even down at $99. I can make up to $9 between 99 and 90. Um, above 102, I lose the 3 bucks. But when you think about it, that's about 3%. I have two and a half months for this thing to play out. My trade is really setting up for a stock like NVIDIA, which has been a massive sentiment leader, just cooling out a little bit, just cooling its jets a little bit, and then I think it brings the sector down. You're singling out the steepest single area of the equity complex, right? We know that as a subset of tech, to your point, which has been the best area, this is almost egregious. The one thing that um, 
we've talked about this. Uh, it's very hard to, and you yourself say, hard to pick a top, yeah. right? Um, it's the only aggregate that has yet to make a high from its dot-com era. So we know that the Nasdaq long ago exceeded its 99 high. We know that the tech sector long ago. But the semis are still not there. And, and, and markets have a way sometimes of reaching for an all-time high. So we're still 5% below. The high was on a Friday like this. It was the 17th of March, 2000. And um, whether we get a hiccup now uh, or at some point, it's every possibility that we make that stretch for the high. Yeah, I mean, I think that and one other factor really speak in favor of this trade. Obviously, there is still some... Well, well hold on. He's saying I'm early, though. No, I know. He, yeah, he, okay. But, but you, there no, is no. some chance that you are. But a market rollover is going to hurt the sector for yeah. sure. What's interesting here is that we talk about options premiums being really cheap in a lot of spaces, ETFs in particular. But interestingly, in SMH, not as much as it is in sort of the broad market ETFs like SPY and the triple Qs. And that's what favors using a put spread in this particular instance, I think, more than just an outright, which is what we probably favor if you're going to make a bearish bet in SPY right now. Yeah. And I guess the thing is just what you said. Timing it is hard. Yeah. And I don't know right. what the input is that you're based on. Maybe it's this news. But what is really well? Here, here, here's what I'm yeah. thinking about. So I see a couple scenarios with Nvidia next week. I see them putting up a big quarter and the stock selling off. Okay, and then maybe that starts a steamroller. Or I see them putting up a bad quarter and the stock gets killed. Okay, so if they put up a beaten raise and, and then it gets you know analysts kind of revising their numbers up, well then all bets are off still. But to me, I think you're going to have you know ultimately maybe to get to your five percent back to that two thousand high, you need to have some buying panic or something like that. But when it reverses, this thing will be right in the oh, money. Yeah. Pretty, pretty all right, from the hot group of stocks to one that's been in the gutter. Number of retail names report earnings next week, and investors will be eyeing the department stores, which are all down double digits this year. And the options market is expecting some huge moves. J.C. Penney could see a 13% move in either direction. Macy's could swing 9%. Options traders are expecting an 8 and 7% move from Nordstrom's and Kohl's, respectively. And Carter, you said there's trouble ahead for one of these well, things. Well, we're going to look at Macy's, and this is high-stakes poker, right? Because just what you said, the options market implies a big move. What if it's the wrong way? I mean, what if it's up? I'm going to make the bet that it's down. Uh, let's look at some charts, and we'll figure it out from there. So just to put this in context, these are... Um, this is performance figures for high sort of uh, touch names, Pe names that people know. Uh, look at these numbers. I mean, this is something out of a horror movie, right? These are, these are two-year uh, declines that are epic. I've, I've picked out some of the most egregious ones. But just to put this in context, these names relative to retail itself as an aggregate down and the market, of course, up quite a bit. So the issue is... Do you short something that's down that much? Often the greatest moves come from things that are already down a lot. And I think Macy's is at risk, um, just as really all these others are. So uh, just to put this in context, this, these are declines. I mean, this is what we're talking about, right? You're talking about this percentage. These stocks are all down 50 to 60 percent uh, wipeout. Um, now, this is where it all started to separate. You have here a chart of Macy's and the XRT. And we know that basically two and a half, three years ago, whereas there was a great correlation, the whole thing has started to come apart. Not only we know consumer in general, retailers, but Macy's specifically. So let's zero in on Macy's. Here is a long-term chart. It's a testament to being bullish or bearish with the trend. We know that in principle, when something's trending up, you want to be long. When it's trending down, you want to be short. When it's trending up, you want to be long. When it's trending down, you want to be short. I mean, like a monkey, you know, stick with trends, charts work. And then what do we have here? It's a downtrend. Unless and until it were starting to turn, why would we bet? No, stay short, get short. All right. 
Here's the long-term picture. We know that it broke this trend, but here's the best part. Look at the lows. It was $5.07. We're trading at 18.19. Why can't it go there? So here's the chart. Here and now, here are the lines. I think you're just coming out of this formation here. Plenty to go. Sell. Not interested. Don't want it. If you own it, get out. It, I mean, right. the name behavior. What do you think, Mike? Do you, do you follow that? Put on a trade that helps you go short? Well, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. I mean, it, it, it behaved terribly today. I think the market actually responded pretty positively overall, especially towards the end of the day. Not so much Macy's. Actually, that thing tailed off towards the end of the day. I was looking just out to next week's uh, weekly options, specifically the 18.5, put spreads. You could spend about 60 cents for that pink. Uh, 75 cents for the 18 and a halfs and selling the 16 and a halfs for about 15 cents when I was looking at that earlier today. And basically what we have is, is a situation where the stock probably is going to move very sharply one way or the other. There's a couple of reasons for that, not least of which is has a five and a half billion dollar market capitalization and about five and a half billion dollars in debt. So you're getting a lot of leverage in that equity. And that's what happens when the stock prices go down. Debt levels do not. The equity becomes very levered, very volatile. And that's why we're going to use options here. So it's interesting. I, I like the fact that you're actually just going to target this event because at the end of the day, you wouldn't really want to put a, you know, listen, your charts make total sense. The, the fundamentals we all know are really bad. Um, I think the lower the stock goes, the more that we hear about what, what are the, the asset values and that sort of thing. And that was one of the reasons why activists had been involved. Earlier in the summer, I think some of you guys remember, I tried to get long this thing. I had a little bounce. I got out. But at some point, I got back in and then I said to myself, I saw everything that you guys see and I don't want to do it. So if you're going to press a short, this stock is down, what, 60% from its 52-week high? You have to define your risk. Mike's trade is targeting an event. If they don't like what they hear, it's going right to your 16 and a half level on the short, uh, on well, the short mean, strike. The risk for a snapback is always there when you press something yeah. that's this. But on a week-over-week -week basis, the stock's not down that much. I mean, it's down considerably from its high. But it's consolidated this low for a while. And just now, as seen in the chart, it's starting to take out those lows. So that, that should gather momentum. On okay, we have much more op options action still ahead. Here's what else is coming up on the show. Quick profits. Because we've got a way to make money on Snap ahead of earnings next week. We'll break it down. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out shares of Snap. They're surging 5% today, and the stock could see another big move when it reports earnings on Tuesday. Dom Chu is in the newsroom with more. Hey, Dom. All right, so, Michelle, get ready for a heck of a roller coaster ride. That's what traders are bracing for when it comes to Snap earnings. As of this afternoon, the options market is pricing in a possible up or down move of around 14%, which kind of makes sense, seeing as how Snap has only had two prior earnings reports, and the stock fell by both of those days by 21% after its first earnings report and then by 14% after last quarter's earnings report. So how does that look compared to other social media companies and their early public life reports? Well, for Twitter, for instance, the story is somewhat similar. After its first earnings report in February of 2014, the stock dropped by 24% the day after earnings and then dropped by 9% in its next earnings report after that. Things weren't quite so dramatic when it came to Facebook, which did drop around 12% after its first earnings release, but then surged 19% after its second one. Now, for context, 
Twitter stock had risen sharply after its IPO, so maybe a bigger downside move wasn't that far-fetched early on after a run like that. Meanwhile, we all remember what happened on Facebook's fateful IPO day when that stock dropped in the weeks that followed. So, Michelle, there is limited history for Snap stock, but it wouldn't be surprising to see a bigger swing around earnings, especially if it's like some of its social media predecessors. Back over to you. Good rundown of the history, Dom. Thank you. So how should you play Snap into earnings? Mike's at the Plasma with a call to action. Mike. Yep. So this is an interesting case, of course, because we do have a limited history to compare the options value to how much it moves. But it has moved a lot the two times that we have seen. And as Dom pointed out, we've got a 14 percent average uh, expected by the options market right now. We have high levels of uncertainty, not just in the options market, but just fundamentally on this company. And as we pointed out, options are expensive, so just buying those front-dated options is really a, kind of a challenge. Let's take a look at how this stock has performed here. You consider how this year has gone for almost everything. This is not a very good-looking picture to me. And I think one of the fundamental reasons for that is that they're competing with Facebook. You know, Facebook was one of the names that actually did well as the earnings progressed because the company was doing well. I think they're going to have a much harder time. What I'm looking to do is sell those very expensive November 10 weekly 14 puts. I could collect about 65 cents for those and then use those proceeds to help finance the purchase of the same strike, the January 14 puts for $1.10. And that whole thing is going to cost me just 45 cents. If the stock basically lingers right in here, if it drips down to that uh, 14 strike, I'm going to be a winner. Um, and this is really the way to use those very high premiums that we see in the weekly options going into earnings to finance a longer-term bearish bet. Dan, what do you think of this trade? You know, it's interesting. Um, I, this is a company I want to be really constructive about. I think they're so early in their infancy. Uh, you know, I, I think being a publicly traded stock is another story. And I think, you know, Twitter has told us that. And even Facebook right out of the gate, sometimes it takes some time for investors to get their arms around the story. So why is uh, option prices so high? And why is Mike trying to do this trade? Because of all that uncertainty. So every quarter these guys put up, the less uncertainty there should be as investors get more comfortable with it. So to me, I like the idea of a put calendar. The only question I ask, Mike, is it, it's 14 strike a little tight. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. When I look at that chart, if they were really to do uh, a bad job on that earnings call, just communicating with investors, it could go back to that $13 level yeah, where it that, was that's in actually August. A real, that is a very good point. And I think the question you should ask yourself, what then becomes of that weekly put option? So all of the extrinsic value in that option is going to go away. So that 14 strike put is going to be worth $1 if it goes to 13 bucks. The difference between the 14 strike and the 13. So you'll only have lost 35 cents on that one option. Right. Where's that January 14 put going to be? The stock's going to have to move much lower, much lower for that trade not to work out to the downside. On the upside, you know, if it really takes off, that's where this trade would probably end up losing. I mean, look, I use the expression high-stakes poker talking about Macy's. This is, this is full-on gambling, right? And, and that's not about your picks. It's just about no one knows what a stock is when it drops 50% from its IPO, essentially. And it's just trending lower on a relative basis, it's still worth a lot of money. I mean, I don't want anything to do with it. If I had to be directional, I'm biased to the downside. Yeah, and this is a situation, I mean, you're spending 45 cents in premium on a $15 stock. Yeah, but, right? so you're spending but here's the beauty three, you know, of, of, of a of the put stock calendar price. by selling that short-dated one. Even if it just goes up a little bit, that Jan is going to hold its value. So at the end of the day, Mike still owns a Jan downside put that could be useful in a lot of different scenarios. So to me, I, I, I love the trade structure into an event. And, like and think about what Don was talking about. If it's Twitter... There's plenty more to go. I mean, what is that? been an unmitigated as even worse. Hat size. Yeah. <laughs> All right, still ahead. Our very own Mike Coe tripled his money in Baba this week, and he's got a way to make even more cash. He's going to explain. Plus, don't call it a comeback. 
But Starbucks shares closing the day higher by more than 2%, which was good news for Dan's bullish trade on the coffee giant. We're going to get an update on that when Option Actions returns. Certainly over this last year, if you look in the U.S., it's, it's fair to say that the overall U.S. retail restaurant industry has been very flat on sales and actually negative on transactions. The fact that we were able to build over 2,000 uh, Starbucks stores globally that are performing at higher annual unit volumes than prior generations in an era where retailers are closing stores at a record pace gives us confidence that there's affinity for the brand. That was Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson on Squawk on the Street earlier today. The company reporting earnings last night, and the stock initially fell, much to the chagrin of our Twitter followers. However, it ended the day higher by about 2%. Dan made a bullish bet on the stock last week. So what are you doing with that trade now? Yeah, so at the time I said you want to look out to December. I really didn't want to play the event in and of itself because it was very binary, right? And so at the end of the day, you had this big reversal. And it's, uh, I think it reversed 10% from uh, aftermarket lows. It had been down four bucks? Yeah, uh, I mean, a crazy, crazy move. And I, and I would love to hear what Carter has to say about it. When you see that sort of reversal, I think a near-term bottom is kind of in. This trade looks out to December. It's at break-even. It's actually up a little bit. I want to stick with this thing and see if we get a gap fill. I mean, clearly reversed and those are important, which is to say you have a moment where something's very weak and people are selling based on news, and then within moments, maybe because of the cause, they start to revise that or think maybe it's not as bad. The reversal would be perfect if it had closed on the high. The fact yeah. that it gave back so much and closed in the middle of the range uh, leaves uh, some of the torque Okay, so based on that, my trade management is if you do have the stock go back towards like 55 and a half or something, it looks like it's going to be giving up, then I think you get out. Maybe you try to get out for even that sort of thing. So keep an eye on the ability for it to hang in there. A and bit. keep an eye on Asia because I think that's going to be a big play for yeah. them. All right. Now on to Alibaba. Shares up more than 100 percent this year. And last week, Mike made a bullish bet on the stock into earnings. And basically what I'm trying to take a look at here is I don't want to take, if it's going to move 6% to the downside, that's the risk essentially I'm trying to avoid. And if it moves 6% to the upside, that's what I'm looking to capture when I use something like a call spread risk reversal. So looking at the weekly options, I could buy the 175 calls that expire next Friday for $5.70, sell the 182 and a half against it for 270, and then sell the 162 and a half puts at 125. Well, since that time... Shares rallied to a new all-time high, but have pulled back slightly. Great call, Mike. The trade did expire at 4 p.m. today. How do you manage the trade into expiration? Yeah, well, so first things, you know, everyone should really be following us on Twitter for sure, because we actually posted an update to this trade midweek. We actually rolled it into a call spread and then took that off early. And the reason we did that was I saw some early selling pressure right as basically the news came out, the first moments of the trading day. So we ended up basically tripling the investment that we made. I still actually, despite the weakness that we saw today, I think call spreads might be a way to make a play into next January. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a phenomenal growth story. It was then still is. That's right. And that initial pop is what's key, right? You, you did get those new highs and the, the pullback was on light volume. It was controlled, I think, uh, higher. Okay. Up next, tweets. And the final call from the options pits. Don't move. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take your tweets. Our first fan says, first fan says, hey guys, how can I best protect shares of Square ahead of earnings next week? Love the show. 
Thanks. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, so here's a stock around $37. It's up 170% on the year. Um, it sounds like you're long. You want to protect profits into a potentially volatile event. I would look to do something called a zero-cost collar. Against, let's say, 100 shares of stock, you'd sell one of the November 40 calls at 80 cents and use those proceeds to buy one of the November 34 puts. For 80 cents, costs you nothing. You have gains up to 40 between now and November expiration, but you're protected below 34. Obviously, you have losses in the stock um, down to 34, but I like that uh, way to do premiums it. premiums are really high and squared, so, you know, you've got to do some offset. That makes a lot of sense. And it, the very snap. fact that this person's asking, taking, uh, it's a cautious question, yeah. right, because you've got to be cautious. This, that being said, every single stock in this position, meaning excessive winner, has gone higher on earnings. I mean, without exception. Okay. Our next fan has another question. David says, I have nice profit in Microsoft, January 80 calls. Do I take the money and run or roll up and out? Mike. Roll up and out. You know, having the in-the-money options, you're still getting the decay, but none of the benefit of the stock comes in four bucks. You're going to pay for it. So go to the 85s in January. Yeah, and you had that gap up after earnings. Now it's sort of dull. No comment. No comment. <laughs> Time now for the final call. The last word from the options hits. Carter. Macy's on the seller. Use Mike. weekly put spreads, 18 and a half, 16 and a half for that. Mr. Dan yeah. and Nathan. Well, these guys, you know, they got me a little nervous. I may be a little early in the SMH, but I like looking out to January. I like put spreads. So to me, the January 102.90. A very hot sector right now, especially with all the M&A news that we have been reporting on. All right. Looks like our time has expired. I'm Michelle Caruso Cabrera. Melissa and the gang will be back next week. In the meantime, Mad Money begins next.